the last two sessions that we've had in this series on the gospel-centered life, we've, we've really been focusing on what the gospel is first uh, and on the ways we minimize the gospel in our lives. How many of you missed both of the prior sessions? Is it quite a few of you? Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap just a, a few of the things. We've looked at the charts um, that reflect the gospel grid showing us how uh, things should be okay, in our lives, and then how we have a tendency to shrink the cross uh, by allowing sin to come into our lives. Before we put those charts up on the screen, though, um, the question is, does, anyone, does anyone recall the two ways that we do that? Okay, how we, after our conversion, get into a pattern where we are minimizing the gospel, where we're minimizing, uh, maximizing ourselves. Any of you remember the two, two ways we do that? Okay, close your Bible. <laughs> One sheet of paper. The, the, the best, they're best labeled by using the terms pretending and performing. And we're all guilty of that. Um, pretending generally involves... Uh, trying to make God think we're okay. Have you ever done that? Performing uh, involves trying to make others see what wonderful Christians we are. Now, those are generalities. It really goes a whole lot deeper than that, but you can cap it off with, with that placement of what those, what those words mean. The gospel, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, is to constantly cause growth and fruit bearing in our lives. Okay, that's what the gospel is supposed to be doing in our lives. When we're not growing, when we're not bearing fruit, then something is wrong. Somehow we have allowed something into our life that is inhibiting God's plan. Therefore, pretending and performing can be really viewed as cover-ups. Okay, cover-ups. We all do it. Uh, they are things that we do when we are in rebellion, okay? Even slight, when we're in rebellion, uh, to convince ourselves that we're really still being effective for God, okay? That's pretending. Or to convince others that we're still really being effective for God, okay? Trying to make God believe we're okay. Trying to make others believe that we're okay. Neither of these things is, is Christ-honoring. That's obvious. Uh, each one of them must be acknowledged by ourselves as individuals. We've got to face the facts on that. We have to do that before repentance can occur and we can once again be at peace with God and get back on the track for growing and bearing fruit. Colossians 1.6 again. Let's look at the gospel track again. Get it up on the screen there. Uh, the gospel grid. Okay, that's what we've talked about the last couple of nights. I promise not to point this in the wrong direction. Um, if you are saved, okay, if you are saved, then at some point in your life you made a conscious decision to accept by faith the work that God has done for you. Now, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Okay. Accepting by faith the work that God has done through Jesus for you. If you got that down pat, then, then you're okay. 
Um, that point in your life is referred to as conversion. Okay? Occurs right there. Right at the split of those two lines. Uh, it marked the beginning of your life with Christ. But this, this is important, what I want to share with you next. It was not the beginning of your life. Yeah, it was the beginning of your life with Christ, but it wasn't the beginning of your life. It was not even the, the initial point of your salvation. Rather, it represents a choice that you made in response to the urging of the Holy Spirit, not so much to begin, but rather to continue something that had begun long before. Okay. How long before? Well, looking at the chart again, okay, it's, it's way back here somewhere. It's probably, probably way back there. Okay. Something happened way back there that affected what was going to happen right here. Okay. How far back was that? Well, completely off the chart. But I believe that one of the reasons that we so easily lose sight of God's plan for our lives and we begin this pretending and performing uh, process is that we've lost sight of or maybe we've never really understood what God did way back over there, okay? I was never taught it, and I'll bet most of you weren't taught it either. You may have picked up on it through uh, powerful teaching. But if you grew up in a Baptist church, chances are you did not get that kind of solid foundation of what God did for you so long ago. Um, we need to know that. We need to understand who God is and what He had, past tense now, what He had already done for you before your conversion. That's kind of hard to visualize. Knowing that, though, and having anchored our claim and eternal salvation because of what God did strengthens our resolve not to stray, okay, so way back then, you were chosen. This is important. You were chosen by God for His pleasure in eternity past. I was not taught that. Not in the church I grew up in. But it's scriptural. And we're going to be talking tonight as we study the gospel about scripture alone. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to anchor. Um, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. This is from New American Standard Bible, NASB. Some people call it the New American Standard for Baptists. So I got into the NASB a long, long time ago, and, and that's where I want to be. Uh, for other, other casual reading, I'll go somewhere else. But for deep study... This is where I want to go. Verse 13, Psalm 139, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, 
and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Somebody share what verse 16 really means to you, where it starts with, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Anybody want to share what, it, what that, what that, what's that really saying? Exactly. How long before we were born? Right there. Right over there. That's, that's when God, not only did he know us, that's when he chose us. The Bible is, is very clear on this. Um, before you were born, before you were born, a long way before you were born, God had already chosen you. Why? Three words. For his pleasure. Why were you created? Not to do all these wonderful things. You were, you were created for his pleasure. Period. It seems like there's got to be more. But no, that's it. You were created for his pleasure. He didn't need you. He was doing fine. Had been for a long time. But he created you for his pleasure. Now that occurred before God came to the earth in human form as Jesus. Uh, not only did that occur before he came as Jesus, it came before God created the heavens and the earth. It also occurred before there was such a thing as time. Okay, you can't visualize, you can't go there. Human mind will not allow you to even think about that in those terms, but we've got to understand that's who we are. That is how important we are to him. Um, it continues in, in Ephesians uh, verse 1. He chose us to be his for all eternity. In Ephesians chapter 1, um, I personalized this, and I've got it written in my Bible as, as a personalized form uh, because it, it applies to me. I want you to apply it to yourself, not to the person on your left or right, not, not to this group in general. This is for you. Okay. As I read this, you can insert your name. I've done it all the time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places of Christ, just as he chose me and him before the foundation of the world, what we've just been talking about, that I would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined me to adoption as a son through Jesus Christ to himself, according, I love this, according to the kind intention of his will. That's in ASB. King James Version says, for his pleasure. Got to remember, that's why we're here, for his pleasure. If he created us for his pleasure, how do we please him? How do we, we, many, many scriptures talk about the praises of the saints. Okay, that is how we honor him. That is how we give him pleasure is through our praises. 
Now, all of this in these three verses that I've just read, this occurred before you were born. Okay. When you were finally born, having already been created in his image, you lived your life probably just the same way I did, completely ignorant of what happened over there, of all the things that God had done for you before you were born. Okay, and then one day, the Holy Spirit stirred your heart. Who stirred your heart? Holy Spirit. He stirred your heart. You did not stir your heart and suddenly have this great desire for Jesus. You didn't do it. You can't do it. You're incapable of doing it. God did it. He stirred your heart through the Holy Spirit. That began the path that led to your conversion. Okay. Um, amazing thing happened at conversion. And it, it, it's in verse 13. Of uh, We'll continue it through this Ephesians 1 thing. Again, make it personal. Verse 13 says, In him I also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of my salvation... Having also believed, I was sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, when it happened to me, I listened, okay? I believed and I was sealed in Christ for all eternity. If you're saved, the same thing happened to you. Happened at the dividing point of the chart. Um, Let's go ahead and get the gospel grid back up. But it happened at the dividing uh, point of the chart. Happened at our conversion. All right? Now, I didn't know when I was converted all that had preceded that event from eternity past. Still don't understand it. Never will. Okay, until I'm, I'm with, with Jesus. Um, obviously, I don't remember it. It happened before I was born. The important thing is to understand God did it all. We didn't have anything to do with what happened back before we were born. We had nothing to do with that. God did it all. We need to anchor ourselves in that fact. Uh, but from the moment of my conversion, from the moment of your conversion, everything that follows uh, on this chart is the result of spiritual growth in him. Uh, we grow in our awareness of His holiness. That's the top part of the uh, chart. And um, we grow in our awareness of our flesh and sinfulness. Okay. Um, we begin to understand why our anchor holds whenever we begin to understand those two legs of the chart. God did it all. Somewhere along the way, our humanity, our sin nature, or our failure to understand what happened so long ago, um, what God had already done, it began to affect both of these paths. And we need to realize that. We need to acknowledge it and not try to deny it because it happens to all of us. We are all, y'all. some of you will recall this, we are all greatly blessed, highly favored, imperfect but forgiven children of God. That's the Bill Gaither 
way of telling us who we truly are. Begins each one of his concerts with that. Um, on the next chart, the shrinking of the cross, our sinful nature, which we cannot, we're never going to be rid of it as long as we're in human form, uh, as long as we're living on this earth, it affected us in many, many ways, probably somewhat differently for each one of us, um, to thwart our spiritual growth and find ways to shrink the cross and minimize our ability to serve God to the fullest. We serve God. Yeah, once we're saved, we're serving God. To the fullest? No, because we shrink the cross. Uh, and the way that manifests itself is through pretending, okay, making ourselves out to be something we're not, or performing, minimizing God's holiness by reducing his standard to something that we can meet. Okay. And when we go through this period, uh, we still desire his favor, even though we are not as close to God as he desires us to be. We still seek his favor. If you're a Christ follower, that's built in. Okay. You're going to seek his favor. But we seek to find it by trying to lower his standards. Once we go on these paths, paths then we literally... Um, in fact, some of us are there now. You know, uh, it's, it's an easy place to get to. Um, we've all been there. And, and again, I think some of us are there now. It leads to misery. Uh, last week, I think Barb and Jessica... Uh, both asked a question of Pastor John about what is life like in that situation. It's miserable, okay? And, and Pastor Adam last week said, when you're there, okay, when you're pretending and when you're performing to impress others and to try to impress God, you're on a treadmill. Uh, you're trying to gain God's favor by living up to our mistaken identity uh, our mistaken view of what his expectations are. Um, it's really an act of, of minimizing God's holiness and increasing our sinfulness, thus shrinking the cross, squeezing it out. And one of the things that we want to do tonight is to put the emphasis on believing the gospel uh, in a manner that will help us to overcome this tendency to, to shrink the cross the hallmark of believing the gospel is to believe God's word. Okay? Sola Scriptura. You remember a couple of years ago, we went through the five solas uh, during our connect time. Uh, scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, to God alone be the glory. Now, these are terms that come straight out of the Reformation, Protestant Reformation. Uh, and they were the rallying cry, okay, uh, of the Reformation. To believe the gospel, to make it what God desires it to be in your life, you've got to hold on to God's word as the ultimate truth, uh, fully sufficient for all of our needs. Now, throughout my Bible, it's over there, uh, no, no, I, I, I'm, I've got it written down, but uh, I wanted to share with you. I have, uh, throughout my Bible, I have little slips of paper. Uh, 
not cheat sheets to help me remember something, but it's something to remind me of my past. Okay, small strips of paper with a statement from Dr. William Symington. Let's get that one up. Yeah, he was a Presbyterian minister uh, from Scotland, naturally, uh, during the 1800s. But these slips of paper say, our object should not be to have Scripture on our side, but to be on the side of Scripture. And however dear any sentiment may have become by being long entertained, as soon as it is seen to be contrary to the Bible, we must be prepared to abandon it without hesitation. Just as soon as you realize that it doesn't line up with Scripture, you need to let it go. I place these strips of, of paper with this statement on each page of my Bible where there is a verse uh, that says something different than what I was taught and what I believed and sadly what I've taught to other people. Um, it's an incorrect interpretation that I had and so I put that slip of paper in there just to remind me of where I was until I found the truth. Um, much of this false teaching that I got growing up was, was really from well-intended but spiritually immature teachers. Uh, I've been around long enough to have had a few of those. And, uh, it, you know, the result is something that I respect my elders and when they tell me something, I believe it. And it takes a long time to break free of a false teaching. Um, I grew up in a small town, um, Sabine Parish, Louisiana. Any of you, I'll save you a trip. Just don't go. It's, uh, it, it, it is lacking in a number of things. But in the town that I grew up, we were in First Baptist Church. There was no Second Baptist. There was no other Baptist church. First Baptist Church. Uh, but there were many cultural biases that had been, over time, interwoven into Scripture. Some of these errors were so deeply embedded in my instruction as a teenager, even today, uh, with my full knowledge that these are man-made rules that are extra-biblical, I still have some remorse whenever I stray from them. Uh, I'll go to my grave wearing a tie. Okay. Started when I was eight years old because it was a sin not to wear a tie. I was taught that. And uh, it carried throughout my life. One of the ways, though, that we shrink the gospel is to insert extra-biblical, man-made rules into our lives and then attribute them to Scripture. I think that... Am I still on or...? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing to this device here. I didn't mean to do that. Um, when we insert extra-biblical, man-made uh, rules into our lives and then attribute them to Scripture, uh, it's just a small step from that point until we begin judging others according to our rules. Uh, you know that's true. I think we've all done it before. For some reason, we feel that these extra 
rules make us more right before God? Is that, is that why we do it? But we've done it. All of us have done it in the past. Uh, and then all of a sudden we realize that we are judging others based on our rules. I'm right and you're wrong. Okay, you ought to wear a tie on Sunday. You know, that, that is that, that the way the man-made rule can, can implement itself. Um, how, far, how far we stray from the truth, you know, whenever we shrink the gospel in this way. Um, I've never danced with Georgia. Not a single time in our lives uh, have I danced with her. Uh, I've never danced, period, you know. Uh, I would probably be pretty good at it, but, but well, went back before I got old, but uh, I think now would be a problem, but I was taught that dancing was a sin. I mean, it, it, was, it was a sin. As a, as a new Christian, this is how bad things were. As a new Christian, a long time ago, I remember the confusion um, that I had over that, that greatly feared thing called the unpardonable sin. I didn't know what it was. Nobody told me. Uh, so I lived in fear that someday I might commit the unpardonable sin and get lost again. I, that's, that's the the environment that I grew up in. And that would be for eternity. I, I finally convinced myself it was dancing. It It had to be. Because I heard that every Sunday. It was obviously the most important uh, sin that, that you could do. So I steered clear of it. Still do. Uh, I nearly fell on the floor. The Sunday, you remember this, when, when, when uh, Pastor Rick White, I, I think it flew over many of your heads. Because it, but, but it, just, it got me. When he spoke of his youth, and he said that back then he was convinced that premarital sex was bad because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> That's, okay, that, that puts dancing right out there where it ought to be, you know, as, as number one. But I have, uh, I've, I've denied Georgia uh, the joy that we could have had in that wonderful experience of dancing. The few times, I've shared this with Pastor John this week, but the few times that I have gone to a movie on a Sunday afternoon uh, left me with a feeling of having failed, okay, in life, especially in another rule that I had been taught. Only Methodists do that. You know, we, Baptists, no. Any day of the week is fine, but not, not Sunday. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone Let's not add our rules to what God has already provided as being complete and being sufficient. This church preaches the gospel. We do not create and impose rules. Man-made rules don't exist. Yeah, well, they do you know, in life. But we do not add to Scripture anything. Our church preaches the gospel. Our worship team teaches the gospel. Uh, I, I could simply read the lyrics of, of the songs that we sing each Sunday and each Wednesday. I would hear the gospel in its completeness. 
just through the lyrics. Um, without error, okay, I would experience, just in reading the lyrics, the grace of God. Know that all that he has done for us through Jesus. Uh, I don't know if, I know many of you have life verses, okay. Um, I have many. But if you don't have one and you want a good one, Psalm 37, 4 states, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, we were created for his pleasure. We give him pleasure through our praises. Now, last Wednesday night, is Chris in here? Okay, good. Uh, I have to be careful. If Chris is here, I need to rephrase some things I was going to say. Uh, last Wednesday night, we sang Hill songs from the inside out. You remember that? From the inside out. The phrase in that song, and the cry of my heart is to give you praise, comes straight from the 37th Psalm. It is scripture coming to us through song. Uh, tonight, we sang... Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Psalm 24, 4. I hope that each of us appreciates and are aware of the work that Pastor Chris and the worship team do to protect the truth in um, their selections each week. If you are a Christ follower, you long for righteousness. Again, it's built in. Okay, it came with the deal. When you were converted, when the Holy Spirit entered your life in power, then you long for righteousness. Uh, created in God's image, we were designed by God to be able to find in Him acceptance, approval, security, uh, significance, all the things that our hearts desire. But because sin has established barriers uh, to our easily finding these things and has separated us from the relationship that Adam and Eve knew before the fall, then we can really have a deep, deep sense of alienation. Um, we do the same thing that the Jews did uh, when Paul wrote in Romans 10.3, they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. You're going to seek righteousness. And if you have a barrier where you are pretending or performing, you're not going to be able to find the things in God that you really need. You've created a barrier there. Uh, pretending and performing are, are just exactly what the Jews were doing. Uh, establishing their own righteousness, trying to please God by what they did, these are sinful attempts to secure our own righteousness and identity apart from Jesus. Can't do that. You can't do that. We need to all realize that there is no righteousness apart from Jesus. There is none. You're miserable. Okay. Those who are away from Jesus and don't look like they're miserable are pretending Okay. These are sinful patterns that, that demand repentance. And the repentance that is required 
when we're pretending and when we're performing is continuous repentance because these, these patterns are going to recur each time that we open the door to them. We must therefore become deeply rooted in the truth of the gospel to anchor our righteousness and identity in Jesus, not in ourselves. We do that. We do that. Have you ever heard of passive righteousness? This, this is so neat. Passive righteousness. It's a biblical truth that God has not only forgiven our sin, but has also credited to us Jesus' righteousness. Pastor Adam spoke on this last week. Okay. Read Romans 3 until you got it. Okay. Read Romans 3 until you understand this truth that not only has God forgiven our sin, but he has credited us with Jesus' righteousness. Scripture tells us that. Verse 22 of Romans 3 says, This righteousness from God comes from faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, Martin Luther wrote, let's, let's get the chart up on passive righteousness. Yeah. A little bit tight. I'm going to read it for you. It is, Martin Luther wrote, It is called passive righteousness because we do not have to labor for it. It is not righteousness that we work for, but righteousness that we receive by faith. This passive righteousness is a mystery that someone who does not know Jesus cannot understand. Period. In fact, Christians do not completely understand it and rarely take advantage of it in their daily lives. When there is any fear or our conscience is bothered. Okay. And I have to add another word here. It's worry. Okay. When we... When there is fear in our lives, when we worry, when our conscience is bothered, it is a sign that our passive righteousness is out of sight and Christ is hidden. We've hidden him with our own burdens. The person who wanders away from passive righteousness, as a Christ follower, you're going you're gonna to want righteousness. And if you can't get it from God, where are you going to get it? You're going to get it through works. Okay, if you cannot get it as a result of your faith, you're going to get it through works. If a person does not depend on the work of Christ, he must depend on his own work. He's going to find righteousness one way or the other. How do we believe the gospel? Well, we must cling to the promise that God is pleased with us because he's pleased with Jesus. That's it. Right there. Cling to the promise that God is pleased with us because he is pleased with Jesus. Something strange happens, and, and you, may, you may not agree with this. Uh, by embracing the gospel in this way, by fully understanding that because God is pleased with Jesus, he's pleased with us, Okay, by embracing, embracing the gospel in this way, seeing our sin is not scary. It's not embarrassing. It can actually lead us to worship because Jesus 
died for it all. Seeing our sin should be a reminder. Jesus took care of this. It's liberating because we are no longer defined by our sin. Our righteousness is in Christ. The good news of the gospel is, this is, this is important. The good news of the gospel is not that God makes much of us, but he frees us to make much of Jesus. That ought to be where our anchor is. Full understanding of that. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just firmly convinced, and we'll, we'll close with this. Uh, I'm firmly convinced that uh, our weakness in going through phases of our life where we pretend, where we perform, is because our anchor is not set. Okay? We're depending on ourselves to make that anchor hold. It's not our job. Not our job at all. God has promised to take care of that. And he does. We just need to have the faith to do it. Now, uh, we're not going to be meeting next Wednesday night. I was, I, I was supposed to speak next Wednesday night. But it's Halloween. It's, uh, it didn't work. Um, so mine was moved up to tonight, which is good. Because it now gives us two weeks before we gather again in this place. Um, Pastor John will be speaking, I think. Is that right? In two weeks? Yeah. Uh, and, and the good thing about that is, is you've got two weeks now. And all of the confusion that, that I have, have liberally doused with you with tonight, uh, your attention spans are like that, maybe, because mine is, and I'm normal. So uh, I expect fully that by two weeks from tonight, you will have, have forgotten the questions that you have. Uh, but Pastor John will be here and will respond to those questions. Uh, yeah, I'm confident of that. So we've got a few minutes here. Uh, if, you, if you have any questions, and again, this is, uh, this is a little bit of a departure because uh, I get really, really burdened when I realize how little, uh, when I became a Christian, how little I really knew about what God had already done. And when I go back and anchor my faith and my hope for eternity in what he did. What I did was vital. It was important. But what I did could, I believed, I listened, I believed, and I was sealed. I could not have done those things if he had not way back then chosen me for his own. And I just, I got to praise him for that. You know, that, that's just, uh, like I said, he didn't need me at all. He wanted me, and so he chose me, and I thank him for it.